Please pray with me. Lord God, we pray that you might reveal yourself to us today, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would place your words in my mouth, Lord, that I might proclaim your good news boldly. And we pray that you might bless us as we worship you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's so good to see you all on this glorious day. Isn't it gorgeous outside? Oh my gosh, it's been killing me though. I'm losing my hair and stuff. And it used to be I didn't need to wear a hat outside because I had, you know, stuff like hair. And now I have to. It's terrible. I'm getting fried. All right, that's a complete, that has nothing to do with my sermon whatsoever. So please forget I even mentioned that at this point. I actually want to talk to you about cars because as you know, I have kind of an ongoing relationship with cars, right? They're always breaking down on me. Uh, and I, you know, repair them, and I love doing it. But typically, the cars that I'm working on are the one I drive, right? Not my wife's car. She's got the reliable car. She needs to have the reliable car, right? Because I've got the ones that aren't. And so she needs to have hers working. And so the uh, last fall when she said, Seth, my car's making a weird sound, what do you think I did? I freaked out, right? I was like, no way, this can't be. So I drove around it in a while. I'm like, I hear a little squeak, but I think it'll be okay. It wasn't. It wasn't okay, right? It got worse and worse and worse. And this was a good time for me to have remembered something important I've been told. And that is, always listen to your wife, right? She's basically always right on this front, right? There was a noise, and it should have been listened to. I didn't. I didn't realize it was a problem until we were up in Reading and driving home, and our brakes started making this grinding noise, right? And the grinding noise is not a good noise, is it? And then it developed this kind of shuddery kind of (laughs) as you were braking hard. And so uh, I eventually discovered that what was going on was the brake pad had completely worn through. Uh, That noise she had been hearing was the little warning strip. You know, it's got a little thing on the side that tells you when you're wearing your brake pad down. That was completely worn off, and the brake metal was grinding on metal. And it was just eating away our disc, right? It was just chewing this sucker up. (laughs) So here it is in here. I didn't, the duct tape was not my, I was not trying to repair it with duct tape. I'm not that bad. Uh, That was just so I don't sully all my garments here. Um, Yeah, it was chewing through the disc, the rotor just chomping through its own self, trying to stop itself. It was terrible, right? And so I was faced with the proposition, right? I had to repair it, right? There was really no other option. And really, car repair kind of works like this, right? There's two parts to the equation, aren't there? The first part is diagnosis, right? I always find that's the hardest part because I don't always know what's wrong. Then once you figure out what's wrong, what's the other, what's the other part of the equation? Repair. That's right, and that's the one that hurts, doesn't it? You have to identify the problem before you can fix it. And then once the problem is identified, you have to determine whether or not you are going to repair it. That same thing is present, that same pattern, that same equation is present in our passage from Acts. Right, in Acts, Peter has just been the tool through whom a crippled beggar was healed. And everyone is dazzled and blown away because it's awesome, right? This does not happen every day, does it? That a crippled beggar suddenly is jumping around and leaping and happy, does it? No, completely miraculous. 
It's this amazing miracle that Peter uh, is there for, that God does through Peter. And Peter uses this moment, as he does every opportunity he has, to preach. He stands up and begins by asserting God's power. He says, look, this miraculous event should not be a surprise to you folks, because you follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those names, those three names, would immediately bring the people back to their history with God. So the way God had delivered them time and time again, the way he had miraculously intervened in their lives. And so he was saying, look, this shouldn't shock you that this beggar is walking around now. Because remember the God who we serve. But Peter doesn't dwell just in what God did in the past. He immediately moves to Jesus Christ. And he lays down the law on the Israelites. This is really an interesting passage. He says, basically, look, you Israelites, you killed Jesus. It's pretty amazing how he connects the dots, right? From Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then suddenly is like, boom, you killed Jesus. And we'll see how he says it here. The God of our ancestors has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you, and you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. We all know the story. The story of how everyone turned against Jesus and turned him over to be crucified. And Peter's message might sound harsh in light of that, but the truth is often harsh, isn't it? Especially when it's bad news. Right? The truth is often hard to hear, but it's also the means to salvation. We see another side of Peter, too. We see one side that he is he can bring the truth in a difficult to a, he can bring a difficult truth to people. But we also see the kind of man he is when he closes with these compassionate words. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. In this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Peter is saying, in effect, look, you killed Jesus, but that does not need to be the sole story of your life. You messed up in a major way, but don't let that change your, don't let that ruin your life. Rather, may it be a tool by which you return to the Lord. He offers them freedom, even though they have made this heinous sin. He offers them the prospect of being set free, if they will but repent therefore and turn to God, so that their sins may be wiped out. That is the hope that Peter offers these people. In his sermon, Peter identifies the problem that they have denied and killed the author of life. But identification is only half of the equation. The other half is taking the prescribed action, which in this case is repentance, and returning to Jesus. Peter calls the people to repent. But you know what? Repentance isn't always a pleasant thing, is it? Having your sin pointed out by somebody else or identified by God is not always enjoyable. Anybody really enjoy that? When somebody says, you know, you're a great person, but... You really blew it on this front. Do you like that? You're like, thank you so much. I'm so glad you told me that. Would you tell everybody else? 
no, we don't like that, do we? Right? I just was with a friend of mine who had heart surgery. And he said, the human heart does not like to be touched. Right? He was having a hard time in his recovery. And his heart was kind of rebelling against the quadruple bypass that had been given. Right? And he said, the human heart does not like to be touched. And he's true in a physical sense, and he's true in a spiritual sense as well, isn't he? Right? Our hearts do not really like to be touched, to be moved, to have areas of pain or death identified in them and pointed out. It hurts. It hurts to have our hearts touched by God. But, but if we're willing to trust that the pain will lead to healing, then God can bring us to a great place through the power of his gospel. Where is God touching your heart right now? Is there a problem? Is there a sin? Is there a behavior? Is there an addiction? Is there something that has been identified in you that God has been touching? Or another person, through the grace of God, has been helping to identify in you? In my car... It wasn't pleasant to find out that my front brakes were ruined. Do you think I enjoyed that? No, not at all. It stunk. And so I was faced with the proposition, right? What were my, what were my choices at that point? Repair them or what? Or do not repair them. What are the consequences of not repairing your front brakes on a 6,000-pound SUV? What's that? Possible death of my family. Right? So is there really a choice? No, when you actually look at the cost, okay, so it cost us a few hundred bucks to do the work, right, versus life. I mean, I'd say it falls on the way of spending that few hundred bucks, right? The same choice or not choice is there before us as well. When sin is identified in our life, we have a choice. And what is the choice? Deal with it or don't, right? And, and if uh, you don't deal with it, what are the consequences? Death. Absolutely. Just like in the car. But even more certain and sure, right, is the fact that sin leads to death. The scriptures say the wages of sin are what? Death. Can't be much clearer than that. Right? So we can either start moving down that gradual but sometimes increasingly sleep, steep slope to death. Or we can choose to allow that pain to point us to life. We can choose to turn to Jesus Christ and accept his grace in return for our brokenness. So what part is Jesus identifying in us that needs repair? And the question we have is, will we trust that he can heal us and forgive us? Will we allow him to complete his good work in us? Or will we rebel? My prayer for us is that we would be people who when that problem is identified, when that sin is pointed out, when that brokenness is revealed, that we would be people who would honestly and humbly turn to God and say, Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me, a sinner. I'm sorry I have denied you. Step into this place in my life 
and heal me. That, my friends, is the path to life and joy and satisfaction and hope and peace. And may we take that step faithfully together as we pray. Lord God, you point out lovingly, graciously, the places in our life which are wounded. Lord, help us to respond to you faithfully and humbly and confess our brokenness to you, Lord God. And we pray that you would lead us to repentance and that you would lead us to trust you, Lord, that you are the great physician, Lord. You are the lover of our souls. Help us to believe that, Lord, to really, really believe it. We turn ourselves over to you now, Lord God. Pray that you might forgive us, that you might fill our hearts with hope, with peace, with reconciliation, with grace, Lord God. That we might go out into this world as redeemed people. Lord, people who know what it is to be broken, but know even more what it is to be loved and forgiven. So, Lord, we turn ourselves over to you now and pray that you might complete your good work in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.